Today we are here to celebrate life and to remember and celebrate our Lord's Supper. I'm so blessed for God giving me life, and I'm so blessed for God redeeming my sinful life. What about you? Aren't you grateful? It's one thing to have life. It's another thing to have life with Christ and, and the abundant life and following Christ as he leads us. So we're grateful to celebrate that today. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you know the term imago day? Anybody know that term? Yeah, it's a Latin word, a Latin term. And uh, in English, we would say image of God. You've heard of that, right? Image of God. You see, humans are made according to God's kind or his image, his likeness. Isn't that wonderful? Have you thought about that? Now, we may wonder about some of us, right? But, but, but really, uh, we're, we're in his image. Our likeness to God is something that is very special because it sets us apart. It sets us apart from all the other creatures that God has created. Did you know that? So let me apologize to you dog and cat lovers right now. I'm sorry. It's different. I know there's movies and stuff, all dogs go to heaven, all that kind of stuff, but we're different, humans. We have the image of God. We're bearing the imago Dei. We are given a measure that comes with that, a measure of sovereignty over the earth. Listen to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, let us, now that's a whole nother sermon about the Trinity, right? Let us make man. Now, let me just stop for a second. The word is Adam. That's how we would say it in Hebrew. We know the name what? Adam. Okay, so that's what's used there. It's a generic term for mankind, okay? So when I read this, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, okay? God said, let us make Man, mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, that's a verse I claim dealing with spiders, scorpions, and unfortunately, this past year, a centipede. In our master bathroom, all right? We, have, we, <laughs> we got authority over all that, right? But let's go on. Verse 27, so important. And God created man, Adam, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. You see how that's restated? Very important. Restated, hey guys, are you getting this? God, he created them, male and female. Did you catch that? Very important to note, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Bearing the image of God. Realizing when God created, it was perfect, right? But then there's the thing called the fall. I've been reading Genesis at the beginning of the year and going through all that. And it's so clear that just because the fall happens, because sin enters, we're in a fallen world, we're all sinners, doesn't mean the image of God goes away or that's all gone. No, it's still there and we still are 
Everything is to be subject under us, and it's important how we deal with that. So today, why celebrate life? Did you wonder why we would celebrate life today? Many churches all over will do this very thing we're doing today because on January 22nd, 1973, the United States Supreme Court ruled 7-2 to two in support of abortion. I would submit to you today that this changed the course of American history, really, and world history in some ways. And for those who cherish and celebrate life, we look at that day as a tragedy. I do. Now, I was a kid then. I wasn't on the Supreme Court. I really didn't know what was going on. But as I've grown older, uh, a Christian and, and serving the Lord, I view that as a tragedy. And, and it is that because we strive, as Christians, we strive to build this culture of life, to celebrate life, all of life, how important it is. And on, just on a side note real quick, uh, let, me, let me share this. So those of you uh, watching online, don't click off. I'm going to get to the scripture in just a minute. You guys here, don't click off or go anywhere. But I found it quite interesting that there were more abortions last year in these United States of America than COVID deaths. Did you know that? I want you to think about that for a minute. We, we have this emphasis. We have these public health orders. We have uh, all this money and brain drain and everything put towards a pandemic. Okay, great. What's the reasoning for that? Hopefully it is what? To save lives. And yet, as a Christian leader, I wonder why we don't have all that brain drain, money, public health orders, etc., put towards saving life that's in the womb. Just something for you to think about. I'm not, I'm not a scientist. And of course, I know the answer. We're sinners. We live in a fallen, sinful world. But it is up to us to have an answer. Always be prepared to give a defense of your faith, a defense of the gospel, and I think that includes life. Notice I said defense. I didn't say knock down, drag out argument or hateful speech or anything like that. Well, let me move on. So, of course, today, after saying that, we celebrate all life. But it is important to note and to be clear that abortion is taking of life according not to Lamar, I'm not a scientist, but according to the scriptures. However, hear me closely. Would you listen closely to this? I want you to listen very closely, church, and anyone who might be listening. My intent today is in no way to attack anyone who has had an abortion. Are you hearing me, church? That is not my intent. Guilt and scars are already present. Instead, this is my prayer, and I hope it's your prayer, I hope it could be our prayer for all of us, and it is this. Regardless of our past, regardless of what sin is in our past, regardless of what has happened in our life, that we would all strive from today forward to live the abundant life, John 10, 10, the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. I'm being consistent in this. It doesn't matter what sin is in your past. God is more than capable and more than ready to forgive that sin. Hello? Is that true? We need to act like that. We can't have a favorite sin on which we choose to bash people. 
Because guess what? People could pick a favorite sin and bash us, could they not, if we're honest? We don't know what past history is for everyone. I say all that to help us remember this, 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, God, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, do you remember what it says? Some righteousness, no, all unrighteousness. So let us remember that as we celebrate life. We celebrate life not to bash anyone or not to look down upon anyone, but to be reminded how important it is. It's so important that God created us with the image of God in us. Let's pray. God, speak to us today. Help us to understand the immense vastness of you and who you are as creator and as one who knows us. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to be in Psalm 139 today. The whole chapter, and you're going, there goes Sunday school, there goes lunch. No, we're going to get through it pretty quick. I'm going to break it up into sections. So let's read that first section. We're going to start with verses 1 through 6 of Psalm 139. Lord, it's that covenantal name there. It's Yahweh. Should be capital L O R D in your version. Lord, you, this is David writing, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. You might want to underline that. Boy, that's comforting. You have placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty, and I am unable to reach it. So as we begin with this first section, I've entitled verses 1 through 6, The All-Knowing God Knows Me. Let's get this personal today. The All-Knowing God Knows Me. Of course, the biblical term for this is omniscience. Anybody ever heard of that word? Omniscience. Wow, we had a young man over there, one of our kids, raise his hand. That's impressive because some of y'all didn't raise your hand. Yeah, omniscience. We know what it means, right? Omniscience is this. Here's a simple definition. God's perfect knowledge of himself and all creation. It's important to note that. Not just of creation, but he understands everything about himself omniscience. And in verses 1 and 2 that we just read, we, we see that David is praying to God, praising God, and he's knowing something. He's knowing that the one true God cared enough to search and know him, everything about him. Did you catch that? Everything, no matter what he did or thought or where he went or anything, God knows about him. And I want you to notice that today. I want you to know that the all-knowing God knows you and knows me. It's not just that God knows everything. He knows me. That's what's important. It's not important to me that he knows everything as much as it's important that he knows me. It's not just that God is everywhere. He is everywhere with me. It's not just that God created, created everything. He created me. Wow. All of my postures, all of my gestures, all of my practices, he knows them. And Jesus gave, years later, gave commentary to this. Do you remember Matthew chapter 10, verse 30? 
when Jesus stated that God knows the number of hairs on our head. That's known pretty well, right? Except for some of our guys here today. I know the number of hairs on your head. <laughs> but for some of you ladies with all that hair, God, God knows us so well, he even knows the number of hairs on our head. And David goes on and says that God also knew not only what David was doing, but his thoughts. And I want to tell you today that God knows our words before we speak them. Are you aware of that? He's not surprised whether it's good words or bad words. God knows our thoughts and what we are formulating to even speak. He already knows. You see, there is nothing that is hidden from the all-knowing God. Nothing in us is hidden from the all-knowing God. The book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 13. No creature is hidden from him, from God. But all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The all-knowing God knows me. In verses 3 and 4, we see in addition, God knows our ways our words, our ways, even before we speak, even before we do, God knows. Verses 5 and 6. Uh, David is understanding that God protected David. And I would tell you that it's true today. Uh, he encircles us today. God does the same for us. Think about this. Have you thought about this lately? Nothing comes to us unless it first passes through God's and God's permission. If we believe he is sovereign that's comforting to me. His constant knowledge of us is a comfort rather than a curse. And uh, along with David, we can't even grasp this. Yet God still remains all-knowing. As we celebrate life today, this attribute of holy God is comforting. The fact that I cannot escape God's knowledge of me. Well, let's move on now to verses 7 through 12. Let's read those. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. So now what we have here, I've called it this. The all-present God is with me. The all-present God is with me. And the word we use, the theological, biblical term, would be what? Omnipresence. Omnipresence. What does that mean? It means God is everywhere present. It's not enough just to say God is everywhere. It means God is everywhere present and not limited by time or space. This is where my mind is blown. I was good with the first one, but the second one, I can't wrap my mind around that. Why? Because I live in a temporal world. I live in time and space, don't you guys? Yes, so it's hard for us to grasp that even as the psalmist here is sharing this with us. You see, God is not limited by that. It's as if we could say God is as vast as the universe, but also as private as the womb. That's God, omniscience. 
You see, there is no corner or dimension that's hidden from him. Heaven, the scripture says, heaven is not too high. Hell is not too low. God's glory is in heaven. His power is here on earth. His justice is present in hell. He's everywhere at all times presently. David did not try to evade God, and we should not either. And David here in this passage is so assured of the constant presence of God's hand of love. It's important to see that God's hand of love and his care that not even death and the grave could separate him from God's love. One of the greatest chapters in the Bible, I love it, is Romans chapter 8. You familiar with that? And the climax of chapter 8 is verses 38 and 39. Let me read it for you. For I, Paul's writing, and he's very convicted about this, and it's a command, it's an understanding, an imperative. It's for us to know today. For I am persuaded that not even, what? Death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height nor depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us. You remember what from? From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The all-present God is with me. David goes on to remind us that God's presence is like a constant light in the darkness. He, he deals with that. And as we celebrate life today, God's presence lights our way. And it's a comfort to know that we cannot escape God's presence. Well, let's move on to verses 13 and 16, which are the most known and popular verses in this psalm. For it was you, David, talking about God, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. And your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days, catch this, all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. And I would say today as we look at this passage that the eternal God, the creator, formed me and you. The term we use for this is omnipotence, which means this. It's not just all-powerful. It means the all-ruling and all-powerful God. He is what? He is the absolute and universal sovereign. End of story. Period. Verses 13 and 14. We see that the God of all knowledge, the God of the constant presence, cares so much to personally form the child in his mother's womb. Did you catch that? Look at 13 and 14 again. Do you see that? God knew David before his birth. God knows us before our birth. God knows who is pregnant right now, even if uh, the woman does not know yet that she is pregnant. God knows. God knows what will happen the rest of this year with babies. God knows these things. You see, God is there even at 
conception. And according to Scripture, God opens and closes the womb. Now, that is difficult. I admit that. That is difficult, especially for someone who is desiring to have children. Maybe they're not able to. There's hurdles to go over. All I know is that according to Scripture, God opens and closes wombs. I've been reading in Genesis. I said that before. And if you look throughout there, this womb is open and this one's closed. And then later on, that one is open. And it says, God, 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 God. But more importantly, what I want you to get is right there in verse 13. God knows our inward parts our whole person but there's more than that it's not just that he knows if you were going to have freckles or not it's not that if you knew how he he knew how tall you're going to be I always wanted to be a little taller it would have sure helped with basketball man you know just just Lord can just while you play on a basketball team just can I be a giant then just go back to regular then okay you fit better in the airplane and the bus and all that. But it's not just that God knows that or what color your hair will be, but inward parts, the whole person. He also knew and knows and was there in the planning your identity, your personality, your character. There's a theological term for that, and it's wow. Think about it for a minute. Think about it. You may have wondered, why my personality the way it is? Why? I, I'd rather be more extroverted, or maybe you'd rather be more introverted. God created all that. The eternal God formed you and me. In fact, I would say to you today that God planned our life before we were. That may not be good English, but think about it. God did that. He planned our life before we were. We love Ephesians 2, 8, 9, but let us not forget Ephesians 10, 2, 10 says, for we are his workmanship, perhaps better translation, for we are his creation, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So let's just stop there for a moment and remember this, church. Whenever you have a question about doing a good work versus not doing it, you should do it because God created you in Christ Jesus for good works And this next phrase blows me away, which God prepared ahead of time. He prepared it ahead of time so that we should walk in them. It's already been prepared for us. Wow. Well, verse 15 and 16, we go on and we see, let's not miss the mysterious and miraculous attributes of God. Now, I'm not a scientist. I know we have scientists all around and stuff, and science is kind of trying to figure out why stuff is, right? Is that, you can tell I'm not a scientist, can't you? (laughs) But it is. We're trying to figure stuff out. We cannot figure it all out. Science cannot figure it all out. Einstein couldn't even figure it out. Listen, there is mysterious and miraculous to God. And sometimes we struggle with trust and belief because we can't figure it out. Have you ever heard someone say, I just can't get my mind around it? You know what? This side of heaven, there's things we're not going to be able to get our mind totally around. God is mysterious creator of the universe, and God is miraculous. And sometimes we should have the faith just to say, it's a miracle. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But God does, and it's a miracle, and we should go with that. And I think we see that in verses 15 and, and 16 as we think about this. The word that's used here in my scripture, it talks about 
uh, knit and all those kind of things. But then we get on down here, and the Hebrew gives the idea of embroidery. So picture something intricately and exquisitely embroidered. We are exquisitely composed of bones and muscles, sinews, veins, and arteries. And yes, science has even showed us even customized individual DNA. God did it. We just happened to discover what God has done. And what David couldn't see and what we cannot see, God sees perfectly. And God, according to Scripture, has all of our days in his hands. God's perfect knowledge does not only extend to the past, before we were born. I want you to get this, church. God's perfect knowledge extends to our future. Our future. God has written our days in his book. Man, I'd like to see that book, wouldn't you? But I'm not privy to it. But scripture teaches us that. The word of the Lord came and, and God spoke to the great prophet Jeremiah. Remember Jeremiah? Of all the gigs to get, that was the one you would not want. Jeremiah, oh man, what a tortured, difficult life. The weeping prophet, just all that he had to share over a long period of time. But right at the beginning of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, 5, this is what the Lord says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. Is that clear enough for us? God chose him and chooses us before we're even formed in the womb. And he goes on to say this to Jeremiah, I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So as we celebrate life, even the very conception of life, it's a comfort to know that we cannot escape God's power and sovereignty. Think about it. That should be a comfort to us. His power is sovereignty. So I'm sure some are thinking by now, okay, Lamar, great. So what is our response? It's given at the end of this chapter. Let's look at it, verses 17 through 24. Let's look at 17 and 18 first as David responds. God, how difficult your thoughts are for me to comprehend. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. And I think our response is this. We don't understand it all, but we are to align with God's thoughts about us. That's our job, not to understand it all, but we, our response should be, God, I'm going to align with your thoughts about this, knowing that you are Emmanuel, knowing that you are with us. Let's go on. There's a second response, verses 19 through 22. God, if only you would kill the wicked... Some of you have quoted that verse, I know, haven't you? <laughs> God, if you would kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. Uh, David's getting real here, isn't he? I consider them my enemy. But read into his heart. 
And know this, not, not only should we align, even though we don't understand our thoughts, with God, the one who is with us, we should long for what he longs for. We should long for righteousness. Do you long for righteousness as you celebrate life? We should long for holiness. Do you celebrate that? We should even long for justice. And as we think about the issue of life, uh, as we think about abortion and what has gone on, we should long, we should pray, we should be involved in any way that we can, longing for righteousness to come, for holiness to come, for people to be touched by God. And then we finish up 23 and 24. You've heard this, haven't you? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. So our response to this great chapter of the greatness of God is this. We pray, humbly we pray, to our great God. And this is something to think about as we move to the Lord's Supper in a few moments to realize that one of the duties as a believer who partakes in the Lord's Supper is to do what? To examine ourselves. And these verses fit right in with that. But praying humbly, God, God, check me out. Is there something I need to confess to you? Show me right now and give me that ability right now to confess it to you. If there's something offensive in me, God, reveal it to me. You know what I've discovered? When I pray that kind of a prayer, guess what God does swiftly? Shows me, right? I'm scared of you people that say, well, I'm, I'm doing great. There's nothing going on, nothing wrong. Like I've sinned recently or anything. I'm like, well, he didn't pray that prayer. God, show me. Because God shows us and we can confess. And he is faithful to forgive and to cleanse. So that should be our response. Praying humbly, God, just show me who I am. Here's how I'd wrap up this section. Choose life. Defend life, protect life, and speak life. And as we think about that, that is life before conception, even though we don't know about that. That is conception, life in the womb, life on the earth as we are walking it right now, right? And end of days, life. It's all important to God. And God reminds us, hey, I am God, I am Yahweh, I am the one who controls that. Quit trying to control all that. I am the one who knows. Choose life, defend life, protect life, speak life. Let's pray. God, there's a lot to chew on here this morning. May your word, specifically Psalm 139, speak to us. May we ponder it. May you teach us even this week about it. God, may we be convicted where we need to be convicted. May we confess where we need to confess. May we celebrate where we need to celebrate. Where we, may we press on where we need to press on. So thank you, God, for working in our life. God, thank you for giving life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, we want to move into our Lord's Supper this morning. 
and here's what I want you to get. You might think, well, what, what are we doing here? I, I think the Lord's Supper fits perfectly with celebrating life, don't you? Because when we remember the Lord's Supper, we remember this. Jesus gave his life. Why? So that we might truly have life. Jesus, we know from Scripture, wrestled with the idea of going to the cross. What did he say? Do you remember right at the end he said, Lord, is there any other way? Remember that? So distraught that he sweat drops of blood, so anguished. And yet our Lord Jesus, fully God, fully man, God the Son, said, not my will, but the Father, what? But your will be done. He gave life, and Scripture tells us all about Jesus giving his life and about his blood. Without the shedding of his blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. It's God's plan. It's God's rescue plan. And as we celebrate life and we remember the Lord's Supper, we are reminded of this. Jesus gave his life so that we might truly live. Isn't it a shame to think of how many people don't take Jesus up on that? Don't realize the abundant life that he offers because he's paid the price for sin. It's amazing to me. And I just want you to ponder that right now. Just right where you are, would you just get comfortable, get alone, get rid of distractions? For some, you might wanna bow your head. Some, you might wanna close your eyes. Some, whatever, it ta- whatever you need to do, just focus on the Lord for a minute. Would you? Would you thank Him for life? And I, I don't know what your relationship is or was with your mother, your father, but would you thank God that your mom chose life for you? Just thank God right now, right where you are. Just spend a few moments in prayer. Now, as you continue to pray, would you also thank God that he offered salvation, he offered new life, the abundant life to you, and gave you the faith to trust in him and his rescue plan. Thank him for that today. And perhaps today as we continue to pray, would you ask God to show you in what ways you can choose life, defend life, protect life, speak life. It can be different for you than me. God, what can I do as an image bearer of God help others who are image bearers of God. Perhaps God is convicting you of something right now. Give it to him. Would you just pray and give it to him? Would you just confess whatever that is? It could be a sin of commission. It could be something that has been omitted. The good 
you need to do and you just haven't taken that step. Would you ask God for the courage to do that? As we conclude this prayer time, would you also pray to God and thank him for sending Jesus? Would you thank Jesus for dying on a cruel cross for you and your sin? Dying and then conquering death with his eternal resurrection. Would you thank him for that? And pray, God, help me to remember every day, not just Lord's Supper Day, but every day what you have done. God, we pray to you and we acknowledge these things. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.